Good morning. My name is Dawn, and I have the honor of serving as one of the ministers here at DSVC. And today, I'm here because Pastor Caleb Campbell, who's our lead pastor, is on sabbatical, uh, because here at DSVC, we honor and, and celebrate the rest that God has called us to take. And so uh, in this, these past couple years, um, in just all the chaos and all the strife and, and frankly, arguing, <laughs> um, uh, our board in their graciousness uh, granted Caleb that sabbatical time. And so uh, a couple uh, weeks ago before he left, we were talking about what would I be talking about today? And he's like, you know, I think it would be really great for uh, you to maybe teach on this idea of rest and how God has built this as part of our our being and our needs. And so we talked about this scripture that you saw earlier, uh, Psalms 46, 10 through 11. In the beginning, it says, be still and know that I am God. And in my task-driven brain, I'm like, yep, I got it. We'll work on that. And, and then a couple weeks ago, when I started preparing this message, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, really, God, you want me to be talking about this? Like, that's absurd. And, and so... I started this journey of just kind of trying to understand. Uh, some of you are laughing because you're my friends, and I've asked you, like, how do you do this, <laughs> and what does this look like? Um, and so I started this journey of trying to uh, just really understand what does it mean that God created us? A part of our creation, our design, is to need rest. And what does good rest look like? But then I also started to remember in this culture, it's so difficult to rest. We, we don't maybe know how to rest. There are many cultures that do, but maybe American culture, we really struggle with that. And maybe some of you guys can relate. Uh, in fact, Stephen Covey, uh, if you know him, he, he wrote the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. People go to his book to know how to be better at their jobs, to be better leaders, to get more done. And this is what he has to say. He says, people expect us to be busy, overworked. It's become a status symbol in our society. If we're busy, we're important. If we're not busy, we're almost embarrassed to admit it. Busyness is where we get our security. It's validating, it's popular, and it's pleasing. It's also a good excuse for not dealing with the first things or the important things in our lives. I can totally relate to that. I know for me, I, can, I get embarrassed, almost a little bit quiet, like, I'm going on vacation next week, or I'm not going to be here. I'm going to try not to do anything. Is that okay? Is everybody okay with that? Or I'm fried. We've been going 100 miles an hour, and I need a mental health day. That's, that feels like weakness to me. That feels like laziness to me. And again, I think our culture... Uh, encourages this with phrases like seize the day, right? Time is money. I'll rest when I'm dead. Good things come to those who work for it. No pain, no gain, right? Maybe you can think of some too that are coming to your mind in this moment. But this is what I've found in my own life and in talking with friends and, and different people that I've worked with through um, the process of completing my degree in marriage and family therapy. 
um, is just that this, this constant striving, this constant busyness, this constant need for more power and more control in our lives through our busyness leads to increased anxiety, depression, burnout, anger at people, fighting, arguing, and it decreases our ability to care for others, to have compassion for others, maybe even for ourselves with what we're dealing with. It's, it's detrimental to us. So scripture has something to say about this need for striving, for being busyness, and it actually gives an answer. And I'd like to walk you through uh, just historically, a uh, historical Bible lesson um, of where this idea of rest, and actually in, the, in Scripture it's called Sabbath rest, comes from. It's, it's an idea, it's a command, and, and it's a gift from God. And so Scripture starts in Genesis. It says, well, let me make a caveat real quick. For you Bible scholars, uh, I'm going to go through this really fast. I'm not going to hit all the high, all the high points. We're, gonna do, we're just going to do a quick little lesson here together. Um, for those of you who are not super familiar with scripture, there's a lot more in there. And again, I'm just glossing over a lot here. But just a quick high points. In the beginning, God created everything. God created the earth and everything in it. And it was beautiful. And it was perfect. And it was safe. And it was flourishing and thriving. Can you just imagine that? Can you feel that as I'm talking about it? And God created humans to tend for this earth. Even though it was perfect and it was thriving, there was still this need to tend to the earth, and God created humans for that. They had purpose, and, they, and everything they did was good and delightful, but God said to the humans, there's this one thing, this one thing I don't want you to do. Everything else is yours. You can do whatever you want, but do not eat of this one tree. And when God was done with creation, the work of creation, it says in Scripture, God rested. God, perfect God, who can do all things, in charge of all things, rested. But then later in Genesis, we see that our humans, God's loved ones, disobeyed. They started getting enticed by this idea of power and control, and maybe even over and above what God was giving them. And so they disobeyed. And part of their disobedience was a consequence that their work would no longer always be delightful and always be fulfilling. In fact, Scripture says it would be toilsome, it would be painful, it would not be delightful, and it would be unending. And so our humans are now carrying this consequence of their disobedience. And honestly, that consequence carries now even until today, because there is no human here, if we're really honest with ourselves, with the exception of Jesus, that doesn't constantly strive for more power and more control, right? So God starts working to restore his relationship with the humans that he created, that he loves and so he didn't just punish them, banish them, and it's done. But he starts working to restore. And so later on in Genesis, we're introduced to Abraham. And Abraham 
It's just this man that comes up in Scripture. Nothing super special about him. But God says, hey, Abraham, with you, I want to make this covenant. I'm going to make this binding agreement that I will be your God and you and all of your descendants will be my people. Pretty amazing, huh? And so Abraham agrees and Again, I'm just going over this really fast. <laughs> Generations later, um, God does create. Abraham's descendants are this huge nation of people. But in their desire, again, for more power and control, they eventually become enslaved by the Egyptians. And now in their slavery, they're experiencing an extreme form of that consequence of just unending painful labor and in their case as a slave you don't get to enjoy your labor you just do what your master tells you to do and they get to enjoy your labor but the people of god at some point one generation finally says wait a minute wait a minute you have this ancestor abraham and i remember hearing this story about how god said we would be a great nation and we would be a blessing to other nations and god made this covenant with abraham maybe we have this god on our side and so they cry out to god asking for god to save them and what's so cool is that god is already on it right god has provided and placed this man named moses as an adopted prince into Egypt. And one day, Moses realizes, wait a minute, the people that my adopted family is enslaving are my people. Moses was a descendant of Abraham. And God used Moses to help deliver his people out of slavery in Egypt. And God continues to restore his relationship with them and to give them hope that this consequence of Adam and Eve's disobedience from the beginning, there is hope and there's restoration in their future. And so God says, res rescues them out of Egypt and gives them a promise that there's a promised land for them. And as they're on this journey, God in his wisdom, who knows all, knows that these people have never known freedom. The ones that are alive at this point have never known freedom. They have always, always worked because they had to, they were forced to under threat of punishment. It wasn't for their own good and their own delight. And so during their journey towards the promised land, they're not there yet, God gives Moses what we Christians today call the Ten Commandments. And these Ten Commandments are to help these people of God to learn how to be a nation of God. And they're pretty basic, right? Like, you know, that covenant with Abraham, like, I'm going to be your only God. Don't make idols before me. You know, don't murder. You know, don't commit adultery. Don't covet in an obsessive way over your neighbor's uh, goods. Those kind of things. Things that seem pretty logical. But smack in the middle, number five of these Ten Commandments is this. It's in Exodus. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or your female servant, 
nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. He had to really clarify to these people who had been enslaved, what does rest look like? And it's, it's, it had to be this weird concept, right? Because God rescued them. God is now their person in charge. And yet their person in charge is saying, I want you to work for six days because we need to do what we need to do to take care of ourselves. But on this seventh day, I want you to rest a whole day. Can you imagine being enslaved, toiling day after day, destroying your body, your mind, your soul? And then your new owner, for lack of a better word, says, no, 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 you're supposed to rest. I want you to rest on that seventh day. And so the people of God enter into the promised land, but eventually their desire for power and control, they lose the promised land. And when Jesus enters into the scene, when God incarnate comes down in human form, the people of God are again in a situation where they are not free. They're not enslaved, but they are oppressed by the Roman people. And honestly, they're oppressed by their religious leaders at that time. And so Jesus comes in to say, wait a minute, guys. Let me help you understand and remember this gift of Sabbath rest. And so at one point, uh, Jesus is performing a miracle. He's healing a man, and it happens to be the Sabbath. And our religious leaders who, again, all of us fall into this wanting more in control and more power, they use Sabbath as a way to kind of hold on to that power. And so they've, they've studied scripture. They've tore it apart. They've analyzed every single word in the Ten Commandments uh, in that Sabbath. And so they've decided what rest means. They've decided what Sabbath means. They've decided what seventh day meant. They got it down. It's a process. And if you don't follow the process, you're punished. And Jesus is healing somebody. He's doing work. It's good, but he's doing work on the Sabbath. And so in this story, the Pharisees, that's the religious leaders of the time, say, what's going on? If you're the son of God, why are you not observing the Sabbath? And this is what Jesus has to say to them. He said, guys, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. This was a gift that you all have turned into a, a, an oppression, a task, a to-do list, a way to say, I'm better than you because I'm doing it right and you're not. That, that seems very counterintuitive, right? So what does maybe Sabbath rest look like now for us? I have to say, because of the consequences of disobedience, it takes work, unfortunately. It takes intentionality. Again, everything we do, because of this consequence, we're going to have to strive for. But it's a different kind of striving. Instead of striving for power and control, it's a striving to rest in God's goodness, God's control, and trust that God's got us even when we do absolutely nothing. 
But I want to clarify this idea of rest. When it talks about Sabbath rest in Scripture, and as I've done my studying, I'm sorry, guys, do I need to do something? Have I messed up? Seriously, like, don't move. <laughs> this is... Thank you, I know, right? Thank you, Stephen. Oh, okay, here I am. Awesome. So, what does rest look like now? And, I, and in my research, I think, you know, our modern word of rest means do nothing, right? Uh, be still in a sense of our physical bodies are still. Maybe we're sleeping. Um, but when you dig into Scripture, you find out that Sabbath rest uh, really means more than that. And actually, it can include activity. It can include um, doing things really to restore our body, doing things to renew our mind, doing things to replenish our spirit and restore our soul. And so for some, we're, so, we're uniquely made. God created us so uniquely that for some of us, renewing our mind is reading a really good book. Or restoring our spirit is spending time with people we love who are encouraging us and, and supporting us and loving us. Resting our, our body may mean taking a really slow walk. I encourage you, don't, don't act like this with the, like the Pharisees did and take this to be an extreme of everybody has to do it the same and it all has to look the same. Our goal is to, through Sabbath rest, a time for resting your body, renewing your mind, replenishing your spirit, and restoring your soul. And again, that can look different for all different types of people. I'd like to do a quick um, experiment with you guys. Are you up for it? Okay. Gosh, you guys are awesome this morning. So I want to just take a moment to kind of check in with ourselves. Because you might be in your mind going, if you're like me, you're making a list. There's a lot of reasons I can't do this. I see you laughing, by the way. <laughs> right? I've got kids. I've got to work. I'm trying to build a business. You know, I, I've got illness I'm dealing with. There's, there's a thousand, eight thousand reasons why this is not possible. And you know what? God knew that. That's why all throughout scripture, this is repeated again and again and again. He knows, he knows we're going to struggle with this. So let's do an experiment. If you feel comfortable, you don't have to, but if you feel comfortable, I just want you to take a moment, close your eyes. And as your eyes are closed, just check in with your body. Check in with your mind and your spirit. I'm going to give you about 15 seconds. I will watch the clock so you can be there just for a moment. Okay, come back. How did that feel for you? In that moment, were you able to check in with your body, 
your mind, your soul, your emotions? Or like me, do you automatically go to your to-do list? Or what's happening next? Or you're aggravated because you are having some emotions? Or maybe you're thinking, oh, so-and-so really needs to hear this. <laughs> not me, not me. If you're good, you can check out for the rest of this time. But if in that time, it was really hard to check in with yourself and connect with yourself, I encourage you to maybe start practicing this idea of Sabbath rest. Start looking into what does Sabbath rest look for you? Because that's God's desire for us, is to not be constantly striving, constantly going, constantly, our minds constantly swirling, but to rest in him. In fact, let's go back to our first scripture, Psalm 46. And just, just before the scripture, this is between Moses and Jesus, somewhere in the middle there. And they're God's uh, people, they're a nation led by King David. And there's this point where, again, they're, they're striving for power and control. And, and then this scripture comes up. And in another translation, it actually says, stop fighting. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And as we look at this scripture and we think about Sabbath rest, I think this gives some really good components to help us understand Sabbath rest. If we look at this first scripture, be still and know that I am God. It's a way for us to rest our body. When we are still and we enter in Sabbath rest, we release all that we're holding on to. We give time for us to really fully realize and embody that God is in control, that we can trust God with all that we are and all the things that we are currently not doing. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Can renew our mind. When we enter, when we are still and we enter Sabbath rest, we can remind ourselves that it is not all about us and that we don't have to be on top and we don't have to make everything work, that God is going to be all-powerful. God is going to be exalted. No matter how high we strive in the end, it's God's. It's not ours. And for some of us, that's frustrating, but for others, it might be freeing. Of like, huh, okay, I can take a moment and rest in who God is and who I am not. If we look at the next verse, the Lord Almighty is with us, a way to replenish our spirit, that God is with us constantly. And again, when we're constantly looking forward and the next thing we're supposed to do and our minds are swirling, it's really hard to notice God around us and with us. And it's really hard to notice God working in others, those people that are just super frustrating or you just wish all kinds of things on them. <laughs> it's really hard when we're constantly striving to have compassion for those people. But when we can have Sabbath rest and we can recognize, you know what, God is working on us because we've got those same kind of things, we can appreciate that in others too and we can have grace. 
And then finally, the God of Jacob is our fortress, restores our soul. When we are still and we enter into Sabbath rest, it gives us that opportunity to experience, maybe even for a brief moment, that beginning of creation when everything was perfect, everything was beautiful, God was in control, everything was flourishing and thriving. We glimpse a moment of kingdom of God here on this earth, and it can be powerful. But I want to make a couple caveats. First of all, again, Sabbath rest is going to be unique for each of us. Taking those ideas of what does it mean to replenish, renew, rest, and restore, and, and see what that looks like for you. But I do want to, again, make a caveat. There is a difference between rest to avoid and Sabbath rest. And what I mean by Sabbath, or I'm sorry, what I mean by rest to avoid is that time when we're like, yeah, I'm, I'm resting. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm done. I'm fried. I'm over it. I need to rest. But we're resting in a way that is not renewing us, not replenishing us, not restoring us. In fact, we're resting in a way to avoid, maybe avoid taking responsibility, maybe avoid having a hard conversation or setting boundaries or dealing with whatever emotions or um, things that are coming up in our life. We're just, we're trying to avoid things that might be hard. The difference, how you know that you are in resting to avoid versus Sabbath rest. Resting to avoid is isolating. We draw in, we hide, we separate ourselves from others, we separate ourselves from God. Sabbath rest is about connecting to others, to ourself, to the world, and to God. Rest to avoid creates this uh, sense of being shut down. We just shut down in whatever we're dealing with and, 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 again, avoid everything around us. But Sabbath rest renews us. And it energizes us to be able to go back out into the world and to face what might be coming. Rest to avoid reminds us and reinforces this idea that we are worthless. It tears us down. But Sabbath rest reminds us that we are unconditionally loved by the God of the universe. That we are holy and wonderfully accepted and we are valuable to him. So in my research, I came across this quote. I was reading this book by Wayne Mueller. Wayne Mueller is a pastor and a therapist. And this quote hit me pretty hard. And it kind of paints this picture of what this constant striving, if we keep going, and maybe you've seen people do this in their own lives, if we keep going, what our lives look like. And I printed this really small, so I'm going to bring this up here so I can see it. This is Wayne Mueller. He says, a successful life has become a violent enterprise. We make war on our own bodies, pushing them beyond their limits. War on our children because we cannot find enough time to be with them when they are hurt and afraid. They need our company 
and we're not available. War on our spirit because we are too preoccupied to listen to the quiet voices that seek to nourish and refresh us. War on our communities because we are fearful, fearfully protecting what we have and do not feel safe enough to be kind and generous. War on the earth because we cannot take the time to place our feet on the ground and allow it to feed us, to taste its blessings and give thanks. That's pretty heavy. I mean, to say that a successful life has become a violent enterprise, that's heavy. But maybe you could see how that connects. And here's what's amazing, is that Jesus shows us how Sabbath rest can renew, replenish, restore us to counteract that violence of success. Can you take a moment and just imagine what would this world look like if God's people took the time to rest and trust God's power and control as our lifeline? Would you join me as I pray? Creator, Father, our God, who knows us more than we know ourselves, you know what we struggle with, and in your love, your unconditional love, you challenge it and challenge that within us, constantly teaching us how to be your people and display to this world different way of living, a way that is free and thriving. God, I pray that these words would sink into our spirit and remind us when we feel like we are completely depleted and there's nothing left. Remind us to be drawn back into your Sabbath rest. In your name, amen. Now, as the band comes back out, they're going to lead us in another song. And I just want you to take this moment to practice. Again, Sabbath rest can take all kinds of forms. And so maybe you did this earlier, maybe not. But as they lead us in another song, if you would, go ahead and, and stand up. As they need, lead us into another song, I want you to check in with yourself. Release whatever you're trying to hold on to so tightly. Release the to-do list. Release whatever, God, whatever you're thinking you have for you next and just see what God might have for you. Now, this is going to be a fun song and, and energetic, so be ready for that. But I think, again, Sabbath rest doesn't have to look still. Sabbath rest can be celebratory. And so join us in the celebration. But first, let me pray this prayer over you uh, to welcome us to Sabbath. It says, Lord of creation, create in us a new rhythm of life composed of hours that sustain rather than stress, of days that deliver rather than destroy, of time that tickles rather than tackles. Lord of liberation, by the rhythm of your truth, set us free from the bondage and baggage that breaks us, from the pharaohs and fellows who fail us, from the plans and pursuits that prey upon us. 
Lord of resurrection, may we raised, be raised into the rhythm of your new life, dead to deceitful calendars, dead to fleeting friend requests, dead to empty peace of our accomplishments. To our packed and full planners, we bid peace. To our over-caffeinated over consciousness, we say cease. To our suffocating selves, Lord, grant release. Drowning in a sea of deadlines and death chimes, we rest in you, our lifeline. By your ever restful grace, allow us to enter your Sabbath rest as your Sabbath rest enters into us. In the name of our creator, our liberator, our resurrection, and our life, amen. <laughs>